Cameron Burgess, and you're listening to the Film Focus Podcast. Here we go for the first time since that epic 2018-19 season that ended with that glorious day at Wembley. Fulham are starting a consecutive season in a league. By this time, the string on the yo-yo has been cut with a flourish by Marco and his men. And once again, ladies and gentlemen, we are in the Premier League. And what a season it's looking to be. We've got transfer shenanigans galore, an incredibly lean squad, and the M&Ms of Marco and Mitro have not yet melted in our hands. So there's much to look forward to and lots to worry about. And that's what we're going to do today, because I'm joined by Don and Stato to preview the season ahead, our trip to Goodison this weekend, and make what are going to be some woeful season predictions, I'm sure. I'm Boney, and this is your Fulham Focus Podcast. Fulham. Gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining us. How are we doing, Stato? You've had a eventful first match, I hear as well. So, yeah, I'm 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 all good, thank you. Um, the eventful first match was not good. My Sunday league football team. We had our first preseason friendly the day after Fulham had our final preseason game at the Cottage. Didn't go as well as Fulham. We uh we lost nine one. Obviously, I, I was in goal, so I lost in nine goals. Tell you what, my back the next day was killing me. I, I don't know how much longer I can be doing this and picking the ball out of the back of the net. It's oh, it's not good for my physical or mental health at this point. Uh, well, that's where you get to just point at the defenders and say, "Well, you didn't help get that out." That's what I do. I, I go to the uh, the burned Leno book of goalkeeping and uh, shout and point at my defenders where possible. The, the pat. I promise none of the goals are my fault. Paddington long stare at the back four. And that's what you exactly. And Don, you've not melted yet. So that's a good sign. Yeah, it, it has definitely uh, been extremely hot over here. I understand you guys are getting a lot of rain, but uh, for us, it's definitely the heat. And where I live down here in the South, it's uh, very humid, very, very humid. So yeah, a lot of uh, wringing out your clothes of uh, water and, jumping in pools and stuff to try and stay cool so yeah all all of our listeners here in the uk are now calling you some very choice words so because <laughs> we're wringing out our clothes just not not in the same sort of way you know if people want to come over to the states and sweat now's the time uh if you're looking to be outside and lose weight uh walking and hiking or doing whatever right now is the time so more power to you Fantastic. I'm, I'm jealous. But anyways, let's let's get on to slightly more, well, I would say less damp things, but Saturday was disgusting. It was chucking it down all day and it looked particularly greasy, greasy day against Hoffenheim. But there was a few really exciting things that came out of it. We've got two new boys on the pitch, some old boys playing well. So there's some good, good notes from it. Stata, what did you take away from Saturday? I I always enjoy this final preseason game for for Fulham because it's always at the cottage and you know you look at last year we had we had Villarreal and that was that one all draw and it kind of showed us how we're going to line up and you got to see all the new faces play and it's the same again this time around you know we saw Bassi and we saw Jimenez start 
you saw what is most likely going to be our starting 11 come Saturday against Everton. And it's just good to kind of see, you know, the team playing again. Um, amid the drama that's happened this year, this summer even, it was just refreshing just to see us play some football, play well and get a win under our belts, to be honest, because it hasn't been a comfortable summer for Fulham. There's been a lot of necessary and more unnecessary drama happening. So just, you know, watching the boys play, is just it's, it was just great to see, I think. It was a solid performance, I thought, Don. I, I, that was my takeaway from it. It, it. it wasn't spectacular, but it it they looked slightly more coherent than they did against Chelsea. I'm going to slightly disagree with you there. I did not Ooh, think the first okay. half was that great. Uh, um, I was I was making a chill, okay, so okay. I wasn't paying attention too much for the first half. I, so I'm, I'm telling you, the first half, I was kind of getting nervous. Um, you know, I, it did not look like... Uh, a ton of improvement, I would say, from the last Fulham game down there at uh, uh, Florida, wherever up north. I'm sorry, uh, here in the states. So Washington, Washington yeah. Um, which none of them I got to go to. Just the amount of money it would take to go to those games. I just I couldn't justify it. Um, but at any rate, first half, yeah. Second half. I thought that was a lot better, a lot better. Um, you know, I, I, I think Marco must have had a really good team talk, and I definitely think he readjusted kind of the whole format of what how they wanted him, he wanted them to play. So second half, I would say yes. I, I, I was more – I was happier, and I, and I was more enthusiastic about this This could be okay, you know, going up against Everton and, and you know, the opening games, because I really think we do have some tough fixtures coming up. It's not the best start for us in my mind. No, it's, it's got some fun coming, but we'll, we'll get onto that in a minute. I thought some good takeaways there. Raul took his goal really nicely. The ball in from Robinson unless was pretty sweet as well, which, which was good. And I've, I've got to say this because I was quite pleased. I thought Shirley was hitting all the high notes in Bassies. There you go. There's, there's my pun for the thing. You can fire me later, guys. Um, I, th- those, those were the things I liked to say. I thought Bassie was, was very strong at the back. Um, and the rest of them, I guess, yeah, as, as Don said, came into their own. Was, was there a standout for you, Stasso? Um, personally, I thought that Sasa Lukic played very, very well. It's looking very much likely that we won't have Palinia ready, fit and firing for the start of the season, which is a massive loss. So to see that Lukic is playing in that role and playing in it well, it's really encouraging to see and we'll need him to be play we'll, we'll need him to play well in the Everton game if we want to get a result because those are some big shoes to fill for Polinia, but it's good that he's managed to get a full preseason under his belt with us, Lukic. Obviously, he joined in January, so kind of get, getting integrated with the team midway through the season is always difficult. So we never really got to see the best of him um, last season. So you know, getting that preseason is important for him, and hopefully, we get to see a more complete performance from him this season. I thought Willian, amid all the drama, he put in another solid shift, another. You know, solid seven out of ten from him, which is the you know what we expect from him at this point. It's good to see that he is most likely staying now as well. 
I don't think it was ever in doubt, to be honest. I think it was a bit of a nothing weird Saudi rumour that's, that's plagued us all summer. So it's good to see that he's staying and he put in a solid shift. And also, I want to give a big kind of shout out to Harry Wilson as well. Again, last year he was injured during pre-season and he started quite slowly because, again, he started midway through the season. Again, he's got a, he's got a full pre-season under his belt. He looked great in America and he's carried that on with Hoffenheim and hopefully he can carry that into the new season as well. It's the hair, isn't it? It is. It's got to be. It's, it's the Ken-like hair that exactly. is just inspiring him for this season. It's 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 great to see. It's a look I don't think I can pull off. <laughs> it's a bold... Th- I'm sure yeah, you could. It's don't. bold always. It's very bold. Yeah. You know, I, I would uh, echo uh, what, what Stato's saying there. I think Harry looked great. And that's awesome because, you know, he was really in doubt when he first joined us. Uh, There's a lot of people and I was among them. that was kind of like, yeah, you know, didn't so do so well at Liverpool. That's probably going to be the case here. Uh, but I think he's really turning it on lately. I think he's going to become a very important player for this season. William, you know, like Reem, somehow he's drinking that specialty water that's keeping him going, you know, uh, forever and ever. I wish I could find that fountain of youth. Um Bassey, I think he looks strong, real strong. And, you know, I saw an interview with Reem where he said, you know, good, I'm glad he's come in. It'll be great competition. You know, I look forward to the competition. I think Reem is going to have some really good competition there and it'll make it tough for uh, Silva to, you know, make those decisions on who's going to be starting and doing what. Um, I will say, and this could be just me, uh, for Diop, Maybe it's the familiarity type thing. I, he did look better with Reem when Reem, you know, those last minutes than he did with Bassey. I just, I'm guessing because they played more together, you know, and knew kind of each other better. Um, and I think Reem just brings that calmness. I mean, how many partners has he had in the back now? I can't even begin to count. Um, so I think he just brings that, you know, for, for the back four. So I think that'll be really good competition. The holding midfield role, I'm just not positive on that. You know, I, I think Luke needs to be playing a little bit further forward. I just don't think he's super comfortable or, you know, the best at that role. Um, and now it makes me worried about what do we have for a backup there? You know, if something were to happen to him, who's going to play that in case of too many injuries, you know? So I do that, that position does worry me some. It's a difficult one because with Palinia, when he is fit, you would expect him to play every single game and every single minute. Um, Bookings and suspensions permitted. So because of that, if you were to get a replacement in, they would either one, not, be the best because they wouldn't be playing every single game. They'd be on the bench for most of it. Or two, you get someone similar to Lukic who is quite versatile and can play in that number six defensive midfielder role. Or you can also play more in that advanced eight Harrison Reed role. And that's why we have Lukic. And I can take your point now, he's not as good as Polino and it's a bit nerve it can be a bit nervous watching him there because he doesn't provide that defensive shield that Polino does, but I think he'll do a good job whilst Pelinia's away. And with both him and Reed in midfield, there's enough kind of 
engine roomy type midfielders there with, you know with all that stamina and pace that like they can kind of cover that midfield area i think will be fine with both of them i, I do think breed's gonna have to work a lot harder on tracking back and helping out and kind of becoming part of that front wall in front of the back four you know uh I do see that happening a lot. I think coming in in January is always a tough ask, um, unless you're you know, top, top, top tier and you're coming into a team that's that's pretty settled. And I think coming in when you have a Palina in that role who's just in beast mode the whole time, it's, it's going to be hard. And I think we didn't really know where Lukic was going to fit in. I always thought he was going to come in more as a Harrison Reed replacement than than someone to backfield for Palinia, so it's he's got a tough ask. But I think he's had a summer now. He's had yeah eight months with the team. Hopefully that's going to settle. Um, I, I, I there's definitely a player there. I don't think we've seen seen the best of him uh, yet, and I'm hoping that in these next few weeks he's going to have a chance to bed in and get going. And if anybody's going to do it, it's going to be uh, Marco. I mean, he seems to really get the best out of players, so more power to him. Oh, definitely. Um, we're going to talk about some transfer gossip in the moment, but one player who kind of felt like a bit of a new signing coming on after everything that's been going on was Mitro. I listened very carefully, and it was a mixed reception I got when, when Mitro came on the pitch. There was a good good round of applause and but a few boos thrown in there as well and didn't get on the score sheet, but it was good to see him back integrated into the team at the start of the season. How are your guts feeling? About- Were you near Tristan? Was Tristan one of the ones booing? I think I could hear Tristan booing from here. <laughs> but what's, what's, what's your take? He's, he's clearly, well, I say this, he's not going anywhere today. We, yeah, give given the shenanigans that are still going on, we've got time for that all to change. But it, I thought it was good to see him back in. They've been saying positive things. Do you think he starts on Saturday? I don't think he starts on Saturday, but I don't think he'll end up leaving either. I think after seeing what's happened with Willian it's quite clear that it's less about players wanting to move and it's more about agents and intermediaries trying to force a move. And what I mean by that is you have credible sources on Twitter saying that, you know, Willian is looking to move. Here we go. It's all happening. And then only a few hours later, they put out another tweet saying, well, actually, they're not going anywhere. Fulham, the club, have actually said, no, we're not getting a move. That's not happening. And to me, that's made it clear that the sources that they're getting, these these credible um, Twitter accounts, the sources are coming directly from the agents who are trying to force that move. And I think that's essentially as what has happened with Mitro this season, this summer, possibly with a bit of player influence, because we know there's the Instagram accounts where he was liking tweets, uh, liking Instagram photos of him joining Saudi and whatnot. And there's all the reports of him refusing to play and whatnot. But personally, I think it was more about agents trying to force a move. And because it's gone a bit quiet now and it looks like that might not be happening, could still happen. It's still got a good few weeks before the transfer window closes. Anything could happen. But because nothing has happened for a while and because he has since been reintegrated into the first team, that makes me inclined to think that he won't 
go anywhere. He will stay and eventually he'll make his way back into that first team and into the starting 11. Didn't I read or hear that uh, he, he basically stated that once he found out Marco wasn't going anywhere, he knew he was staying, that that was like his big thing. He he thought Marco was going to leave. So he said, well, I'm going to leave. I'm not going to stick around. I could be wrong, but I thought that's what he said. Number two, didn't he just play behind doors um, a good like two thirds of the game or something? So he did between he did. that and, you know, then uh, Saturday, uh, I mean, that's pretty much 90 minutes. So there is a good chance. I think he could start. Um, I, I think really what's going to determine it right now is what's Marco looking for. And I could see three styles of play here. Uh, possibilities. One, uh, I think Raul is a little bit more f- of a speed demon and a little bit more mobile. Uh, I think Metro is a little bit more of a powerhouse and a brute. So what are we looking for? Are we looking for that player that maybe is going to drop deeper, even though Mitchell can do this and he has done it, that uh, could be a little more fast speed wise. Maybe that's more Raul versus Metro you know he's going to plow through and just make things happen, be at the right place at the right time. Or could we have an alternative where maybe we play Raul a little bit off of Mitchell's shoulder and almost more of a 4-4-2 type thing? So I think the possibilities there are actually exciting. You know, it'll be really interesting to see who starts on Saturday. But going forward, I think there are some solid choices now for up top and what the possibilities are, you know, not even throwing in our, our other so-called strikers. Uh, just talking about those two alone is very exciting. I was really ha- happy with the, the Jimenez signing. I think that's for 5 billion quid, you can't really go wrong, even if he's just there as, as a backup. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, there's been a little grimace there from Stato, so we'll, we'll, we'll come back to him on that in a second. <laughs> but I, 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 I think there's, there's definitely still a player in there, and it's I'm, I'm not upset to see him. Don. I, I, on that note, you know, of uh, there's a, still a player in there and I think he'll come good. That's what Fulham does. That's what we've done for a long time. Give people a second chance and look how many people we've given a second chance and they've actually come, come true and they've come, you know, out the other side much better. So under the right coach, I have no problem with giving some of these people a second chance. Yeah, I mean, it, it was only a little grimace for me because what you've both said is very true in that, yes, we give players a second chance and uh, we we get them back to their best. And it was only five million. And that is very true. It is only five million in today's kind of transfer market is, is very little. The only grimace is that he is he has just come off the back of having a season where he hasn't scored a single goal and he obviously went through a traumatic head injury and maybe hasn't been the same player since then. But like you've all said, if anyone can kind of get him back to his best, it is silver. And, you know, I, I would be in favor of him starting at the weekend because he has signed kind of with an intent to have a fresh start. Wolves have gone a bit, uh, yeah, they're, they're kind of falling off the tracks a bit and maybe that contributed to him not scoring at all last season either. He's come for a fresh start. He started against Hoffenheim and he'll be, you know, as a new signing, as a new striker signing, he'll be very keen to kind of score 
on his actual league debut. So, yeah, not not so much of a grimace, more just a bit of caution. But I do really hope he does well and, you know, hits the ground running with us. Well, you know, the only other option right now is Vinny. <laughs> so... I- Hey, we still got Muniz I, as well. I, well. I have a soft spot for Vinny. Even before the Chelsea goal, I thought we—he he, was—we were trying to play him as as Metro Light, and the poor guy—that ain't him. But yeah. Anyways, speaking of rehabilitating players, the breaking news was Fred was having lunch in London the other, today or yesterday, which of course means he's signing for Fulham, right? There's, I, I'm again, an, another player is probably a bit older than I would like, but he's he's there's still. He's still a still a dude. I think he's he'd be a great signing because then we have that six that we've been that we've been asking for. Yeah, I mean, I both love and hate this time of the year because transfer speculation is is sometimes great. Um, when I was younger, I used to love going on BBC Sport and going on the gossip column and seeing all those transfer rumours, and it's kind of evolved into the social media mess of just transfer rumours everywhere, and that's extended to seeing Fred having dinner in London, which obviously means we're signing him. 100%. Yeah, it's a done deal. That's why I both love and hate it. Um, You know, I hate it because it's like, we just have people just scrutinise and look over the the tiniest detail. And, you know, it's normally deadline day when people are looking on flight radar and looking at all the flights going to, uh, what's the airport called again that all of our players go to? Um, it's not Farnborough, is it? It's Big um, or something, isn't it? Or North Holton. Yeah, I can't yeah. remember what it's says, says the guy who used to work in the aviation industry. I'm just going to start rattling <laughs> off airports now. Um, you know, we're not, we're not quite at that point yet. Um, I think he would be a good signing. Again, my concern is the age because we do have one of the oldest squads in the league. That gives me a bit of PTSD when it comes to 2013-14 and we got relegated with a, you know, with a team of pensioners. It's good to have experience in the team, but you don't want to have, yeah, you don't want to have a bog down the team with too many older players. You want to get a bit of youth in there. But I think as a signing, if we can get them on a relatively cheap deal, like we tend to do, we, we tend to do good bargains at the moment. It's a good signing to have. Um, United, they always never seem to rate him that much. They just thought he was an okay player. But as Andreas has proved, our standards... It sounds bad that our standards, standards aren't as good as United, but it's kind of true because United are Manchester United and we're Fulham. So, you know, an OK player for United tends to be a good player for Fulham. So I'm kind of all for it, I think. You know, if Fred was in London, he probably was just visiting a relative or something or having lunch at his favourite Brazilian restaurant. Who knows? We, 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 we would hope that maybe he was there to talk to uh, Marco but you just, you don't know. Somebody sees him doing one little thing and next thing you know, it becomes, oh, he's he's coming to Fulham and then that never pans out. But as far as his age, you know, again, if he can connect with Reem and Reem connects him with the fountain of youth and he turns out to be this great player that can play for another two, three years, you know, maybe not as the mainstream squad player, but as a excellent option off the bench, I'm all for it. I, I've got no problem with it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I what, do what, agree, what, though, Stato. I do agree. We do not want to become the Fulham of past, where all we did was bring in older players, and then we got locked down with all these older players. I do want to yeah. see some more of the youth coming in, and that's where I'm really curious to hear what you guys would think about the guys that are on the bench from you know the U21 kind of age group, and 
who's going to stay and who would potentially maybe go ahead and get a look in as being a bench player. Yeah, I mean, what we also say about aging players is we are now kind of in a time where medicine and technology has evolved quite a lot. So that sounds weird, but a player who is 31, 32, back back then we would have assumed either passed it than ever time and age. But as Ream and William are proven, players can play for a lot longer now. They take care of their bodies a lot better. And when I say medicine technology, it's you know you look at their diet, you look at the sports science equipment that's available to them. Um, players are, are a lot more well informed about how to take care of themselves by doing you know, yoga, stretching, things things like that to kind of prolong their careers. So you know, is thirty five the new the new thirty for football? It, for, for footballers is, is what I'm trying to say, I guess. So. Although he's 31, I think, he's still got plenty of years left. I'd so all imagine. that great advice there, Stato, of this new technology, yoga and all that. Uh, are, are you taking part in this to extend your player career, you know, complaining about Absol- your back and everything? You know, I actually am, to be fair. Um, my partner is a physiotherapist and she has always recommended that I do stretching. And I do actually do a lot of yoga, tai chi and pilates where possible because um, I'm actually quite a tall person as well. So, you know, stretching is good. Highly recommend. Take care of your bodies, guys. It's 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 well worth All it. That picking the ball out of the back of the net. And... Yeah, you can't train for that. <laughs> yeah, I think to your point, on there's as much as I would love to see some of the kids that we've you know get an opportunity. We we've got always that bubble thing of can we afford to risk you know having Jay's one of the bench strikers. Um, Jay Sansfield said is, you know, I'd I'd love to see Luke Harris get get a bit more of a run in, but again, he probably needs to go somewhere where he can play. And then my other annoyance with our lovely, lovely team is our loans have not worked out particularly well over the last couple of years. I think, you know, Jay going to Exeter, that was a great story last year. Um he he'll probably go out again, but he needs to be championship and playing hopefully the same for Luke Harris, you know. Dibley Diaz as well looks looks a player in there, and Dave Fingerols, whose name I can never say as well. I, I'd love them to stay and have a shot as squad players, but they probably need to be probably need to be playing. Yeah, it's it's a really tricky one. Whilst you know, whilst the last few seasons we've been yo-yoing, we're either battling for promotion or fighting relegation, and neither of those are really the time to be integrating youth into it. Maybe now could be, but then even then, when you look at other Premier League teams, how many times do you see them integrating youth prospects? Maybe one a season, if if that. And it's tough. I mean, again, this is why during preseason, Dev Fouajoual, I can't pronounce it either. He was a clear example of um, it was it was Idris Odutari last year where they played in the preseason games and suddenly everyone was hyping them up as the next big thing and you know saying, oh, they're going to play in the Premier League next year. Reality is they're probably not because it's not worth the risk. They might not be there development-wise. Preseason is a completely different ball game. So although it was good to see a lot of these players come in and play during the US tour, reality is we probably won't see much of them outside of the odd league cup appearance. So let's say those three guys who are on the cusp, get sent out on loan. So that's Tyrese, right? That's how you say his first name, I believe. Uh, Jay and then um, uh, Luke. If they're gone, and then let's say 
Muniz goes out. Uh, you would think Congolo is going to leave. I mean, if you look at the team picture, he's not even in the new shirt. And even in the, the picture, he looks like he's pissed and ready to leave. Uh, he's looking for the door. Um, so we can make it outside of the treatment room. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tosin, I, I would think he's leaving. Um, so if you kind of look at that, there's still some players I think that should be brought in personally. I oh think. yeah, you know, yeah. Somewhere on the back line, a, a fullback, an outside back, I would think. Um, midfield, I would think at least one more, right? Yeah, I mean, a silver, silver typically likes to have a replacement or a backup in each position. So you know, for argument's sake, let's say twenty-two good players to have um to compete with and you know goalkeepers are fine providing Roldak doesn't want to leave and get first team football if he does might need to, we'll, we'll need to get back up in we have a settled back four in Tete, Deal, Bream and Robinson the issue this summer was kind of to find good depth that could compete we have Bassi now who can both play at centre back and left back whether that means we'll need to get a backup left back in I'm not sure maybe uh, I know we were linked to Balau Torre at one point. Right centre-back, because Tosin, he hasn't been involved in pre-season at all. Not even on the bench any of the games. You've seen his training, so to me that indicates that he will definitely be leaving at some point. To me, I would be comfortable having another defender in. Um, you know, a Shane Duffy type, who it would be on the bench most games, but would be happy to step up where needed. But to me, that could also be an opportunity where... You know, we have three centre-backs in Bassi, Ream and Diop. Could fourth choice be a youth academy prospect who won't play much, but, you know, could play the odd game where needed? Well, I definitely think we need some a better option than Kevin right now. Uh, to yes. Teddy. Yes. Um, Although I'll be, I've always had, a, I don't know why, I've had a weird soft spot for him, Babu. Uh, I know he hasn't played well for us, but he's that, I feel like he hasn't had a fair chance at times. And the times he has come on this preseason, he hasn't been that, Bad. He's does the job you'd expect of a backup fullback, um, of a backup right back. I wouldn't be annoyed if he stayed and was that backup right back. But at the same time, we've been linked to players like uh, Timothy Castagno, who is a very versatile fullback, fullback who can play both left back and right back, and is a bit more well-rounded and accomplished um, as was shown during his time at Leicester. Likewise, we've been linked to players like Walker Peters as well, who's cut in a similar vein to Castagna and that he's that more versatile fullback. fullback. Um, and li- likewise with Max Owens, um, right back at Norwich, but during the under 21 Euros, I want to say Euros, it wasn't the World Cup, it was the Euros, um, that England won this summer, he was actually playing at left back. So going for that type of fullback who can play both on the right and the left would cover the need to get a new left back when we have Bassi who could play there as well. And then we could also have this versatile kind of Dennis Adoy-like fullback who could play either side as well. So, you know, defensive-wise, I think, yeah, two more faces would be would be needed. Well, remind me and the listeners, uh, when, when does the window fully close, including loans? And w- that way, uh, so we know when J-Mac will kind of come down off of his panic button period. <laughs> You're really going to put me on the spot like yeah. that. I want to say it's September the 8th. Um, furiously Googling it right now. Um, it's normally that first week of September around about that time okay so there's so still we, some time yeah, yeah, yeah we've got well we've got we've got a month more or less yeah. um but obviously 
if I had one criticism of Fulham, it's the biggest criticism most people would agree with. It's that we haven't got our transfer business done nearly early enough. We never do. We never do. It's um, sad. It's sad. Last few years has it's been a bit unavoidable because of COVID, because sure. um, of yeah all those other mitigating factors. But you know, this time around, we've been safe since roughly February. Could we have got a few more players in before the start of the season to kind of get them settled in before the team, you know, before the season starts? I think we could have done. I understand that we are always battling with FFP and, you know, it's always better. You can get a better deal later on in the year, but sometimes you should sacrifice that better deal in favour of having a more settled squad. So the the transfer window is the 1st of September, so we've got three and a half weeks. First. So right now you you can hear... Tony rubbing his hands together and getting all excited for his happy day on uh, the first day of September. I, I I think it's going to be an interesting few weeks. Um, we just have to get through the, I think the first couple of games without anybody getting hurt. Um, it feels That's like it's going to be yeah. the uh, tricky part. But let, it shouldn't it, sh- it shouldn't have to be like that. We shouldn't have to hope that players don't right. get injured. Like it shouldn't have to be that Willian and Wilson. We spoke how they had a good preseason, and we we need them to have a good season. We we, we need to hope they have a good season because we have no other options there. We you know, we should really have some depth going into the season. We don't, and it's not perfect. And last year kind of proved that it does work itself out. We do make good signings, and the signings we do like, we don't tend to have many dud signings at the moment. But yeah, I feel like we could have done a bit more business this summer going into it we're spinning our wheels and we did this last week when we were talking about transfers it's just like uh, don't know there's interesting people out there we we, we've mentioned them all let let's turn to to saturday to everton um liverpool is never really a happy hunting ground for fulham ironically when we do start to win there it's behind closed doors because everything's in in lockdown i don't like everton I don't know why there's just something about every time we play them, something tends to go wrong. And I always get really, really antsy about it. And it's Sean Dyche who's going to do the usual Sean Dyche things of stifling and stuff. But Everton, they're not in a good place. The stadium builds running over, don't really have any money. Players are coming in and out. They've had lots of publicity with the, the Deli Alley interview of the week. Dominic Calvin Lewin going on about how he's had a factory reset this summer. How they brought in Ashley Young, another one who's supping from the, the, the tree of life. But they've got injuries. They've got a lot going on. How do you think we're going to fare? It's the first game of the season. I, to be fair, I went into the Liverpool game last year thinking we were going to get on the end of one of Stato's 9-0 thumpings. Nine uh, one. Sorry, mate. I apologise. Um, <laughs> we scored a goal. <laughs> so, how how are we feeling for the first game of the season? Cautiously optimistic. I think playing Everton is good for us because they're one of the few teams who have had a worse summer than us transfer wise. Like you said, they signed Ashley Young. Not writing him off, but it's not really a signing that kind of you know thrills people. Um, and they've also signed Dan Juma, who I think is a good signing. But other than that, their squad, it's one of the weakest Everton squads that you've seen in years. And I think a lot of Everton fans would agree with me on that, that they've had a rough few years and it's not looking any better. I think timelines permitting this would be our last ever game at Goodison 
would imagine because I think the stage their new stadium will be ready next year. Um, so even if we're if we're if we're both in the same division because Everton will be in a relegation battle and not us this year, they say, say this that will be the last time we're good. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into our awful predictions in a minute. Um, so no, I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, it, it won't be a pretty game. It's going to be Sean Dyche. He's had a whole summer with him now. I I like Sean Dyche. Don't like his football. He's you know I like that he's a good you know, honest football manager. Says it as it is. It's a bit it's a bit harsh that he gets branded with Dyche kind of Brexit type football. That's not always the case with him, but with the tools that he has at Everton the players he has, it will be like that. It won't be pretty. I don't actually know what players I actually have available because I know that, well, Dan Juma won't, looks, doesn't look 100% fit. Delhi uh, Ali won't be playing. Tarkowski's out injured. McNeil's out injured. Dem- obviously, Damari Gray won't be playing. Calvert-Lewin, I think he is fit. Like you said, he had the reset, but there's something about him not being able to play a full 90 yet or something because they're trying to ease him back into this program so that he doesn't pick up this recurring injury he's had for years. So I'm, I'm really not sure what team they'll have and what, what we'll face. I mean, they do have dangerous players, of course. Ducore, Daesh has got him back to his best towards the end of the season, you know, back to the form that he was in at Watford where he was this good box-to-box midfielder. Scored that obviously very crucial goal for them last game of the season. It will be... I know a lot of uh, a lot of people don't rate him, but he does have good spells here and there. But other than that, you know, Neil Malpay, he doesn't really phase me at all. I, I don't think there's much to fear. I've, you know, if we whatever happens, it'll be self-inflicted on us. If we do, if something bad happens to us, what I mean, if something bad happens to us, it'll be self-inflicted on us rather than them doing something good. If that makes sense, you know, it, it'll be that we'll make a a horrific defensive mistake like Diop will misplace a pass like he's done a few times in the pre-season or you know it'll be a lapse of judgment in midfield from us it won't be a bit of quality from them if, if any of that happens now we're going to blame you no, oh god bless yeah <laughs> um you really stuck your neck out there sir a little bit you know, it's, you I'm, know I'm it's sure it'll, be, it'll be fine it'll be fine I'll, I'll say this it's Sean and when it comes to, the, to him as a manager and, and, and you know, and uh, coaching the, the, these players, he does seem to be able to take, like you said, the tools that are in his little toolbox and make things happen. So just out of curiosity, I Googled real quick, you know, the, the Everton Fulham game and to see what the percentage of win chances were. And Google has uh, Everton down at 43% and us only at 30, 27% mm, as, a, as a draw. So, I mean, what will also say, like to kind of defend Everton a lot, is our record at Turf Moor was absolutely awful, and that's going to that may happen again because it is Sean Dyche. And although I've highlighted that the players may not necessarily be that great at the moment, and that they have a lot of injuries, he's still going to have a very organised team that would be very hard to break down. That will you know not give us many chances. They won't give us much, and they will just kind of hit us on the counter maybe and, and get us and get us there. Um, it's also got a very good chance of being that typical last game and match of the day, I think, looking at it um, and looking at the other fixtures that are happening on the opening day. But hey, it's the first game. I'm looking forward to it regardless. Well, I'm hoping we at least get a, a point out of this, okay? Because our first four games, 
not not counting Everton, but you know, out of the first four games, you know, Brentford, Arsenal, City, that that's kind of a tough start. And you know, even Brentford, I think, you know, is going to be a, a tough, very competitive opponent. So, getting a point at least out of Everton, I think, is key for a decent start. You know, for for us, uh, I really want all three. But you, you just can't say right now. I, I couldn't predict how it's going to go between injuries at Fulham, injuries at Everton, not knowing who's ready to start for Fulham. I couldn't pick the, the starting lineup. I mean, we could pick probably eighty percent of the starting lineup, but there's a lot of guessing in there. I would think right now. Well, this is the other. This is the other thing. Um... Our record last year with that Palinho was also shocking. I don't think we won a single game without him and we probably won't have him at the weekend as well, which, although we said how good Lukic is, Palinho is still a big blow to not have. Okay, I'm, I'm going to be the, the positive Peter in this conversation and say we're going to win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, it's. I, I'm looking at the weather. It's going to be thun, thun, 70% thunderstorms and and rain basically Friday, Saturday, Sunday up there. So are you going? No, no, good, good, goodness no. <laughs> My 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 away record is isn't great, so I, I try to not voice that on the on the boys as much. But it's it's looking it's looking mucky. It's going to be one of those games. It's going to be when the weather's like that. It either plays into Daisha's hands, or it means that there's there's an opportunity. I I'd be happy with a point. I'd like to start with a win, um, and I think for for the the fans that are heading up there for that, on what looks like it's going to be a horrible day. Um, It'd be nice for them to come away for that. But as we're making terrible predictions about this, and frankly, I'm bored about talking about Everton because why? Um, let's get on to making some predictions for the season. And I'm, I'm jumping to this because we've got a few to get through. Oh, before we do that, bags at the cottage. Annoying. I guess it was coming. I just can't go to a game after work because I think all oh, the bag drop will be full unless you get there really, really early. Just yeah, you know, what it is. Yeah, what it is. it's so it is quick, what it is. Quick. This is brand new for you guys. You guys have never had any kind of uh, bag restrictions. Not at not at Fulham. Not at Fulham, okay. but other stadiums have had this in place for a while now. Wembley, most noticeable, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, when it. Um, was open. They had the whole A4 bag palace uh, bag policy. We've now adopted it. It's disappointing because you know, like Bonnie said, you can't pop in after work, and for families with children, it makes it really difficult now to try and plan the day. There, obviously, there's a bag drop, but again, it's just extra faff onto what is already quite a faffy day. Um, right. It's it's and it's also disappointing in the sense that. You know, we've always marketed ourselves as a family-run club, and we're introducing policies that go against families and go against the grain of us being a family club. And yeah, like like Bonnie said, it, it kind of is what it is because it has, it's it's coming and it has come into other stadiums. So it's only a matter of time for us. But it would have been nice if we were that club that were a bit different and you know did cater towards families a bit. So here in the states we've had this for years and years um, and it goes back to various things that brought it on, but uh, it's, it's getting more and more strict at a lot of stadiums here to where, I don't know uh, what it'll be like for you guys, but 
a lot of stadiums here, you're not even allowed to bring a bag in unless it's a clear bag. And if you guys are allowed a bag that's like the size of a full sheet of paper, that's twice the size of what a lot of stadiums will allow here in the States. So I know it, it stinks. Um, and I've been reading online, different people have been in touch with the club and not getting much good responses or uh, their questions answered, you know, like if they're a diabetic, you know, how they've got to get a waiver from their doctor um, that their card isn't even going to be accepted. I, I do agree with that, that that's not a very family friendly club, that there should be a way that somebody presents a, presents a medical card and says, yep, I'm good to go. Uh, and there's no problem, but. It, it It's, it's another PR own goal, really. They, they could have handled it slightly differently. There's, there's ways and means of going about it. Um, yeah. I've worked in aviation for a long time and the, the hundred mil policy and things like that, the, the stuff around the things you can do with that are there. It is what it is. I was annoyed about it. I'm going to have to figure out what to do if, because I work in Richmond, if it's an evening game, I'll just have to figure out what to do for that. But that's, yeah. Oh, goodness. So it sounds like a business opportunity for somebody out there who lives in the area nearby and does a whole bag drop-off storage kind of thing. I'm sure someone on the Stevenage Road needs a few extra pennies so they'll <laughs> i'm just saying <laughs> sounds like a good some, somebody hauls their kiosk in and accepts bags and returns them yeah but charges you a nice penny for it probably uh, comes back a little bit lighter as well but never mind exactly so let's get on to the section we're going to call informed silliness we're going to do our predictions for the year i'm going to write these down so we can hold it against ourselves come the spring let's start with who we think is going to win this one. We're going to go to you first, Don. Who's going to win the league? Uh, I've got a mate who's an Arsenal fan, and if he were to hear me say this, he'd probably never talk to me again. But I, I hate to say I think City's going to do it again. Okay. City. Stasso. Yeah. Um, although Arsenal have done some really good transfer business this year, it's hard to kind of look past City. They're, always, they're just a safe bet now. <laughs> I actually think it's going to be Arsenal. <laughs> oh, good for you. I, I I, think all last year I was waiting for them to just flop, and they did. That's a learning experience. And I think I think they're going to – I'm going to be contrarian. I'm going to say it's them. There you go. It's gone in. It's- now, don't get me wrong. I'd love to see Arsenal or even an underdog like Fulham, you know, knock them off their perch and take the top spot. Yeah, you just get tired of seeing the same people over and over and over. Oh, totally going to happen. Yeah, that, that's what we like to see, Don. Positivity going into. Okay, then. So we've got we've got Arsenal for me and the City for you, boys. What about rounding out the top fours? Uh, rounding out the top four. So uh, Arsenal will come second. I want to say United will come third, and then fourth. Uh, I don't think Newcastle will do it this year. Champions League will take its toll. Spurs, although they have no European football, they don't look nearly as strong as they have in previous years. Uh, Between Liverpool and the other team, I don't want to say, I'll say Liverpool, um, just because I don't want to say the other team. Cool. Liverpool, it is. Don, what do you reckon? 
I think number two will be definitely Arsenal. I think Liverpool's going to do better this year than they did last year. I think they'll be in third. I think United will end up fourth. I agree with Stato that I think Champions League is going to take its toll. And I think uh, Newcastle is going to end up more probably like around fifth or so. But you got to put in, you know, the underlying little competition guys that could make something happen. You know, Spuds is definitely going to be in there somewhere. Um, Annoyingly, because Chelsea don't have Champions League, I think you know, they I, do okay this year. But I, I don't think I Kane's going to go off. anywhere. They don't have Champions League. I could see them definitely being that strong fourth position. I I think that's what I went for. I went Arsenal to win because. Well, it's got to be a London club, and it can't be the other lot up the road, can it? Um, City, United, um, and Spurs. Because I think Spurs, if Kane stays, um, and I don't think this Bayern thing's gonna gonna happen. But I, 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 I just think, I think Newcastle will be distracted by Champions League, like you guys are saying. Um, Chelsea just, oh goodness, don't know what's going on there. Um, again, it's, I think that's just a big unknown. It's. Um, I, I, although I do think their manager, they've got the right manager in place and he can make things happen for them. So They've somehow got a lot of players, but still a lot of gaps in the squad. Like they've got no centre midfielders. It's like, how? You've got a billion players, but you've still haven't, you've only got Enzo Fernandez and Conor But they're not going to have a billion players soon. They're going to send half that squad out to Saudi and, you know, make some money <laughs> off of it. So, yeah. yeah. It's, it's weird, but thankfully... They're not in any of our top fours. Well done, chaps. We're, we're on. We're More on importantly, message. what will be what will be the bottom? Yes. So who's going to get relegated? So we'll go to you first, Don. What do you reckon? Down to the bottom three. Bottom three. I definitely think Luton is one that's going to go. Um, that's just me. I could see Wolves having a struggle this year. To me, um, that's just me. Um, the other ones, hmm, Burnley. Okay. Yeah. I think uh, Luton, they'll be plucky and it'll be the underdogs, but there's not enough quality there. And I think they know that as well, because if you look at the signings they've made this summer, they're just signing good quality championship players. They're using the Prem money to kind of prepare for future seasons in the championship and good on them for I doing that. they have a lot of fun. Um yeah. yeah, they'll have fun, but I think they'll fall short. A bit like Blackpool did a few years back. I think Sheffield United are dead starts to go down because they don't seem to have any money and they're selling all of their best assets. They sold um, India Indai to Marseille the other day, which he was one of their best players last year. And it looks like they're selling Sanderberg to Burnley, which is weird and baffling and they're not really replacing them. So I think they are going to be doomed. And then I think Wolves as well. They are looking very shaky at the moment. Looks like their manager, um, Lopetegu, is going before the season starts, which isn't a good sign for them. They can't really sign any players because of weird FFP reasons. They sold you know, Jimenez to us. They're, they sold Nathan Collins, one of their best defenders, to Brentford. Really weird. So I think I think they might be going down. Um also, shouts out potentially to Crystal Palace because they've lost Zaha, their talisman. They might be losing Elise to Man City. 
but I think they'll be fine because they've got Roy at the wheel and you know he will guide them to a very uninspiring 16th, 17th place finish, no doubt. I think they're going down. Uh, my, my dad and brother can, are Palace yeah. fans, so I'm just shopping for food or whatever it is. I'm living to I honestly think they're in trouble. Roy's going to do what Roy does, but I think that there's about, you know, you look at the table, there's a good five or six teams that must be bricking it already. Um, See how I feel? Yeah. Yeah. I think. Hmm. I think they're very lucky, Palace, that there's a lot of teams that look quite weak this season. Any other season, they'd be in more trouble than they are. Like I said, they might just about be okay, but yeah, I don't know if Roy's got enough magic left. I I think I have a sneaking suspicion a a team in chaos tends to manage something well. I just have this feeling that Wolves will sneak it. But Palace without, especially if um, the other guy goes as well, whose name's just gone straight out of my head. Elysia. Yeah, if because what's going on with you know what money do they have? You know the the there is you get texter coming out saying I own the club but I've got no say in it and it's it's nuts. I just think they're in trouble. I, I've heard somebody say not too long ago that they thought Everton could be down there in the mix. That between injuries and they're not spending money, they could easily yeah. be down there. Yeah, and then so, you got West Ham as well, who have lost Declan Rice, and they've only just about replaced him with that Edson Alvarez from Ajax. But other than that, there seems to be some drama going on behind the scenes with their new head of um, their director of football and David Moyes. They might have a bit of a you know, bit of a chaotic season. Basically, what we're saying is, I think there's comfortably at least at least three teams who uh, yeah. should finish above because that's the way I feel. As chaotic as our summer's been, other teams are having worse summers than us. Right. Who's going to overperform? Who's going to surprise us all? Ooh. Is this a team? Yes. Or, um, overperform and underperform it, teams. So one of each. I would say, would Villa be an overperformance? I think they, it depends where they finish, of course. But I'd say Villa, they've recruited well. Yeah. Um, Unai Emery is a good manager. And they are looking quite strong. They, you know, when we played them pre-season, they comfortably beat us. They made some very good signings. Tielemans, um, Pau Torres, with more to come, apparently. Uh, they've got Europa Conference League as well, which, although it's a distraction, it's not a big distraction in a way, in that you can kind of play a lot of your reserves during those group stage games, as West Ham proved, and still kind of do okay in the league. So I think I think there'll be ones to okay. watch. Underperformer for you? Underperformer... Um, I'm trying to think if one of the big teams will underperform. Well, I'm going to say it before you pick, you can say it, Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to look past Chelsea, but then how can they underperform from last year? So, I guess it's, I don't care. It's, it's, I'm hoping they do. It, it's another <laughs> season of underperformance. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard as to look past that. As long as they underperform because... under us. <laughs> yeah. Their squad still looks a bit unbalanced, like I mentioned earlier. And then the news today that Nkunku, one of their big new signs, is out for months already. Not a good start for them. So, yeah, I think Chelsea's a good shout yeah. there. Okay, so there we go. Who's going to overperform, Don? You know, I hate to say this. Uh, you're going to all curse me, but I kind of see Brentford really 
there's something about their manager and the team and even without even Tony for months. Yeah. Aren't they the one that there's a young guy up top? He looked really fast when I was watching him in the, uh, in the States uh, matches. Uh, I could see them doing really well, sadly. Um, Personally, I think the magic might not run out for them. Like they have, I don't think they'll do as well as they have in previous seasons. I think they'll be 14, 15th this year. Yeah. I, I hope you're right. I really do. Um, you know, the other one that could probably, I just, I, I can't think of another one. Uh, Nottingham Forest actually is the one that I, I think is going to be an interesting one. I think they're going to be kind of mid table, but I think they're going to be a spoiler for some of the teams this year. I just, I don't know what it is about them that I just think they're like a bogey team for a lot of people. Yeah. It's, it's a good chat. Brentford's in there. I've gone Burnley for overperforming. Oh. I think they they looked really good last year. They sort of reminded us, reminded me a bit of us. Um, and I think I think companies proving himself a, a, a decent boss there. I just think they they'll you know overperforming for them as in kind of comfortable and comfortable yeah, mid comfortable and, and not having too much to worry about because like we said before, there's easily a good three teams that they should be able to to beat they and they've been quiet you know it's it's there's there's not been a lot of panic about them there's not been a lot of hype i just have a sinking suspicion but yeah chelsea under perform because we've got to stay on brand for this podcast um right who's going to be fulham's golden boot oh you see before this summer that was that was such an easy question to answer but now ah. Uh... I'm going to stick with Mitro, I think. I think he will stay and he will get integrated back into the team and then he'll just become a regular starting striker again, which will give him the golden boot. He'll get comfortably 10 plus again. Okay. Don? I I don't know why, but I think Ruiz is going to come true and I think he's going to prove to be more important than we think. Raul. And really good competition for Mitro, so... Okay, I just I don't know. I I kind of see him sneaking in there. Ra- I'm just saying. Raul Jimenez for you. Yeah, yeah. I- not by Ruiz. Yeah, no, yeah. sorry, not Ruiz, not Ruiz. <laughs> oh, that guy still lives rent free in my head. It's- no, 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 he's just retired yeah. too. I think uh, just retired. I'm. My head says Mitro. My heart still hasn't forgiven him. But I'm going to say Mitro. So then, who's your choice? Mitro. Um, <laughs> Okay, but player of the season. This is going to be interesting. Don, let's go to you first. Harry. Okay. I think he could have a big season, and he really did look good. So Harry's getting injured on Saturday then. Oh, oh fuck <laughs> off. Uh, I was inclined to say Wilson as well, but I'm also inclined to say unannounced deadline day signing who will do <laughs> amazing for us, whoever that may be. <laughs> they got it nailed on, but no. Um, I'm typing it in now. Unannounced. <laughs> he, he, yeah, he, he wants you to that, put that, down that that, that, that. that costs a wide net for me. So Twenty-four-year-old signing... person from Iceland that is going to be our incredible midfield. No, yeah, it will be um, either you know like a Hudson Odoi type or something <laughs> like that. Um, and it, it, it gives me enough wiggle room there to be like, why? I didn't mean that deadline day signing. I meant the other one. You know, the one who didn't flop. So let me ask this while we're thinking about strikers and stuff. Okay. How do I put this politely without trying to be like I'm anti-metro or anything? 
with everything that's going on, who do you think steps up and takes all the penalties this year then? And anybody but he well, hasn't done great. I, I, anybody I'd have Leno it. take the penalties before Mitro. <laughs> See, I, I want to say a positive of all this Mitro drama is that he's lost his credibility to stay on penalty duties now. You don't think before, like, it was the awkward case where, oh, he's our star player, so he kind of has to take penalties. You can't take him off him no matter how bad he is. He's lost that now. He's not on penalty duty anymore. It's gone now. Um, Andreas Pereira, for me, probably if he's playing. Yep. If not him, um, Harry. Willian, I'd say. Well, William. From, yeah, yeah. from who we're likely to start, I'd say Pereira. Yeah. That's that's pretty yeah. good chat. Anyways, uh, player of the season for me, I'm going to go with. So I'm leaning towards Harry as well because I like the hair. <laughs> I think you'd look good as Ken. Yeah. <laughs> and he is looking um, sharp. J Mac sent this list over and he put best signing on. I think that's not fair because we've only had two. <laughs> so so we're just going to. Does, does William count as. Uh... No, no. He, 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 uh, he, 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 I mean, if I had to pick between Bassie and Jimenez, it'd be Bassie, but there'd yeah, be more signings we'll, to come. We'll, so we'll, we'll, come, we'll, to be seen. we'll leave that one. Um, thanks for that, mate. Um, if you're listening, which you better be. Um, breakout season. Um, who do we think is going to have a, a stormer? Uh, breakout season. It's hard to look past. It's hard to look past Sasa Lukic. To be fair, looking at everyone else in the squad at the moment has had a solid season last year. The opportunities there for him to kind of come out and have a really good season himself, unless you know someone like Luke Harris or um, Defoisjoar comes along and does something amazing, which I don't think will happen. I think Lukic is a safe bet there. Don, that's a tough one because. Uh... A breakout season. God, I'd love to say it was going to be Kevin. Um, <laughs> a breakout season, huh? I, I just find that really tough to answer right now because there are so many unknowns. Um, it's informed silliness. This section, you can. You can I know. I'll I know. put you down for Kevin if you want. Nobody else. <laughs> Sure, why not? Yeah, there you go. Bless it. Kevin's coming true. Kevin is coming man, true. That's this what we year. like to see. I, I've gone Harry because I'm not counting last season as a season. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, he was and hurt I, so yeah. much, you know, that. And, and again. And then he sat out yeah. a lot. Uh, that's a good shout. But nope. And the, uh, Kevin good man. Is definitely good coming. Man. Um, I'm going to also skip the biggest flop one because I don't think that's fair. Well, we hope there's not going to be And a that flop. was the other reason I didn't do it, because this is the one we're probably all going to get right, and we're all going to look like complete bastards come the end of the year that we predicted them to have a bad one. So, sorry, J-Mac, we're skipping that one. And we're finally up, because we've been rambling on for far too long now, one team that you want to beat the most this season, just three points from them, and that would make you think the season was vaguely worth the cost of the pain. Don, you know the the obvious one is is right there up the road. Um, if if we're not talking about him, then the obvious one for me, or the one I really would like, is Spuds. Um, just because you can't believe the amount of people here in the states that I run into who are Spuds fans, and outside of Harry Kane, can't name one damn player. Um, Don't think I can either. <laughs> Okay, we've got you down for Spurs. Stasso? Yeah, I'd either say Spurs or West 
Ham because we never seem to beat West Ham and it's really annoying. Um, especially away, West Ham away at that Olympic Stadium. I just want to get a win there, to be honest. West Ham away. There we go. Um, you want to say Crystal Palace so bad, I, just so you can throw I, in your I dad's do, face. I do, because we <laughs> usually suck against Palace. I, I don't know what it is. Granted, Boxing Day, but I can the, the first game that we got promoted with um, Slav as manager, that game was terrible. And I was in the neutral end with my dad and his Palace mate, and it was crap. So I think we're going to beat Palace anyway, so I'm not going to say that. But um, I'm going to say Everton away. I say we're gonna we're gonna win we're gonna win on Saturday because we never win at Goodison and it would be nice to sign off a start with a win and do it. I'm gonna try to end this on positive positivity. So yeah, we're gonna beat Everton on Saturday and it's gonna be great. As I'm hosting next week again, everybody can take the piss out of me. Oh my god, hammered, gentlemen! Thank you so much for making my hosting debut as pleasant as it has been. Stato, Don, it's been a pleasure. Good to see you. Good to hear you. Yeah, thank you. Looking Welcome forward to, to the, the season. Yes. Welcome to the crew. It's all downhill yes. from here. So next week, we're going to be going on about all the many signings we've made in the past seven days. We're going to have the Everton recap. And of course, we will be looking forward for our first home game with Hounslow United making a trip down the Thames. Come on, you lights. Until next time. Thank you, everybody. Bye.